Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So he hears this call, it's time to leave Galilee and go to Jordan and at that time, he, he might have said, he could have said, the hours come for me to leave my home and start my public ministry. The hours come for me to start down the next part of the road that leads to Calvary, to the cross. So he starts down this road, and he starts walking from Nazareth to Galilee to the River Jordan where John was baptizing. And just think about that walk. That was a very important walk. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a few hours walk. It was a few days so there's the Lord, and he's walking on this road from Galilee to Jordan. He's all alone during those days. He walks alone, and as he's walking there, he's got time to think. He's got a lot of time to think, and he's got time to really confront, be, confront these questions. Are you really sure that you're willing to do this? Are you really sure that you're willing to sacrifice your high place as God to be a servant of men? Are you really sure that you're willing to sacrifice your honor to be disgraced and despised and mocked? Are you really sure that you're willing to sacrifice your happiness in life to become a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief? You really sure that you're willing to sacrifice your life and die, not just any death, but the most horrible, torturous death of the cross. So he's walking along these days. He's all alone. And these questions are in front of him when you could just, with each step, he's got to be confronted with these questions. He's got to answer these questions. And each step that he takes during those days from, he's walking from Galilee to Jordan, he makes his affirmed resolution of yes, I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure. Yes, I will be the Lamb of God. Yes, my delight is to do the will of my Father. The will of my Father is that no man should perish, but that all should believe into me as the, as the Lamb of God and, and who takes away the sin of the world. And so he walks, and he walks alone. And there's the days, and, and if you wanted to give a title for this walk, you could say this is the walk of his resolve. It's the walk of his resolution. It's the walk of his affirmation. And we see the Lord all alone, He's taking this walk from Galilee to Jordan River, and when we do that, we see another walk, another long walk that took several days when, like the Lord, that person also had to confront the questions of, are you sure? Are you really sure? And that person was Abraham. Abraham, who was called to sacrifice his son Isaac, and he had to make his long walk to Moriah. 
to Mount Moriah. That was his walk of his resolve, as, as, as recorded for us in Genesis 22, Genesis 22. Genesis 22.1, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, behold, I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, Isaac, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I tell thee of. And Abraham, again, he's not all alone, but he is all alone. He's all alone because nobody else knows this except him. Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son, clave the wood for the burnt offering, rose up, went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, he's been walking for three days, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto the young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Abraham took the wood of the boner offering, laid it upon Isaac his son, took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Again, he's being confronted. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together and came to the place that God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, bound Isaac's son, laid him on the altar upon the wood, stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son, and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven. Abraham, Abraham, he said, Here am I. He said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. So just as the Lord Jesus heard the call in Galilee, to start his walk to Jordan on the, on the road to the cross, Abraham hears the call. Abraham hears the call. Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, Isaac, and offer him there. So the distance from Galilee to Jordan, it might have been about three days. It's, it's know, about 50 miles or so. It might have been just like Abraham. And during this, these days, the Lord again has to answer these questions. Are you really sure? It's not too late. It's not too late to say no. It's not too late to say, you know, call for the angels and they'll come and take you out of all this. Is it still yes? Just like Abraham. So the Lord Jesus comes and he wants to be baptized by John. So he comes to be baptized. It's very humiliating. I mean, think of that. It's very humiliating for the Lord. He's standing among sinners who are there. It's noisy because all those sinners are are confessing their sins. They're repenting of their sins. They're coming to be baptized, and he's standing in line with them. He's standing among them to be baptized. He's, he's come to the baptism of sinners, and he's not a sinner, and he's not confessing any sins because there's nothing for him to confess. He's not repenting of any sins because he never sinned, as it says in Hebrews 4.15. Hebrews 4.15, he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin, Without sin in Hebrews four four fifteen Hebrews seven Hebrews seven twenty six seven twenty six says such a high priest became us who is holy harmless undefiled separate from sinners made higher than the heavens he's separate from sinners but he's among sinners in in Second Corinthians five twenty one it says he hath made him to be the sin offering for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. He didn't know sin. He's among people who knew sin pretty well. In 1 John 3, 5, it says, you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. 
So the Bible over and over again makes this point. There was no sin in him. He never sinned. He was undefiled. And yet he's standing in this line of all these sinners the, in the baptism of sinners. He's standing there in line with the sinners. And if you were going to make a count, someone comes along and says, how many people are in that line? How long is the line? How long is it going to take? So how many people are in that line? And somebody came along and they go, this sinner and the one and next sinner two, next sinner three, next sinner four and so forth. And then you get to, to the Lord and, and, they say, and there's the Lord and they give account for him too. He's in their number. He's in the number of the line there. Just like it says in Isaiah 53, 12, Isaiah 53, 12, he was numbered with the transgressors. Yes, he was counted, just like all of them were in that line, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah 53, 12. He hasn't sinned, but he's among the sinners. He's going to bear the sin of the sinners, and he's going to make intercession to save the sinners from their sins, and he's in line. Another one of the humiliations that he has suffered. His whole life is one of humiliations. First, there was the humiliation of coming from a home, uh, at least at a house, the roof over his head, down to be born in a stable. First of all, there's no place. And they said, okay, go out there with the animals. In Bethlehem, that's humiliating. Then second, there was the humiliation of, of being dedicated in the temple of Jerusalem and then having to go down to Egypt. It was humiliating. And there was a humiliation of going now from his home in, in Nazareth to a muddy river in Jordan in the wilderness. And, and fourth, this humiliation of, of being called by the angel in Luke 135, Luke 135, that holy thing, he's in line there. He's in line with, for the baptism of sinners. So these humiliations that he has gone through and will go through more and more in his life, these humiliations reflect his mind. His mind, it's called the mind of Christ. It says in, in, in Philippians 2.5, Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a certain, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He humiliated himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Okay, now we get this word when we look at in, in verse 13, verse 13. Then, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized. So the word then is standing there as a word that is like opposed to. Opposed to what? Opposed to the last group. Who were the last group? The Pharisees and Sadducees. They showed up, and they wanted to be baptized. And the word then, in verse 13, it's almost like, again, you could see, you know, this line of sinners waiting to be baptized. And so, you know, in this, in this line, there's a group of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and John is very sensitive to their hypocrisy, and he calls, you know, okay, next, next. Oh, it's the Pharisees and Sadducees. You generation of vipers. He said, what are you doing here? What, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You're not, you're not obviously afraid of the wrath for your sins. You're not confessing. You're not repenting there. And so they then fall out of the line, so to speak, and it's because it says they rejected the baptism at that point when they were called the generation of vipers. I don't know why, because... Of, anyway. And, and it's next, 
And then cometh Jesus, in verse 13, as if to say, next, and then cometh Jesus. So, you know, there's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're false. They're bad. And next in line is the Lord. He's true. He's good. And it kind of shows us something here when we sort of look at that. It shows us how in life, false is always mixed with truth. Bad is always mixed with good. He's come to be baptized just with the others, and he's the true. Now, you can't be baptized. Um, no one baptizes themselves. There's got to need another person. I mean, each person, that's why baptism is kind of a submission. It's a very symbolic submission. You submit yourself to be baptized by another person. If you're nervous, you say to the other person, can I really trust you to lift me up out of the water afterward? You know, you're not going to make me drown, are you? So it's kind of a submission. And as that person is submitting himself to be baptized, he's really resting the weight of his body into the hands of another person who's going to lower him into the water, and he's relying on that other person to lift him up out of the water. That's why it's called submitting to baptism, because the candidate submits himself to the the baptizer. Well, in the same way, the Lord Jesus submitted himself to be baptized by John. All baptism is symbolic of death. The going under the water symbolizes death. So by submitting himself to be baptized by John, the Lord, in essence, was saying by by this act, he was saying about the act of baptism, he was saying, today... I submit myself into the hands of John to baptize me as a symbol of death. Tomorrow, just a little later, I will submit myself into the hands of the Romans who will kill me, who will put me to death. Okay, so the Lord now, we can picture the scene. He's come to John to be baptized, and and John says to the Lord, what? He's resisting. He says, no, no, no. He says, John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? So John's saying, no, 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 we got to reverse roles here. I'll get in the line, and you baptize me. Why did John do this? Well, because when John got close to the Lord, John saw himself as a sinner. He was very aware of that. And this is what happens when a person gets close to the Lord. He's acutely aware of his sin. You know, this is what happened to the prophet Isaiah. Prophet Isaiah experienced this in, in Isaiah 6, 5. Isaiah 6, 5, he says, Then said I, woe is me, this is Prophet Isaiah speaking, I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. He had a problem with a foul mouth. I am a man of an unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. They had a problem with, un- with foul mouth. He says, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So all of a sudden, Isaiah sees God. He sees him there in the temple, and he hears the holy, 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 and he sees that, and then he becomes acutely aware, i got a really foul mouth. I have a sinful mouth. My tongue is, is, is dirty. And the same thing happened with Job. When Job said about his testimony, Job, in Job 42.5, Job 42.5, Job says, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Again, Job, he says, I heard about you, and when I saw you, oh, I hate myself. I hate myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. This is what happened to Peter. Peter, 
in Luke 5.8, Luke 5.8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Well, and this is now happening to John the Baptist. He sees the Lord Jesus, and John has been baptizing sinners to repentance, and now he sees himself as a really big sinner of baptism. He's in repentance, and so he asks the Lord to trade places. I mean, John who just uh, had just seen it was not right for the Pharisees and the Sadducees to be baptized, and now he says it's not right for me to baptize the Lord, but it's right for the Lord to baptize me. All right, so... There John is, and he sees the Lord. He sees the sinless Lord who had nothing to confess. He wasn't confessing, nothing to repent of. And John is, is asking the question, why do you want to be baptized? This is the baptism of sinners and for repentance. You don't know, you're not a sinner. You don't have anything to repent of. And, and so it's a good question, right? Maybe we ask the same question too. Why did the Lord come to be baptized? Well, the answer is really contained in two words, in two words that the Lord said in, in his answer. And the Lord says, suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Words are now and righteousness, now and righteousness. First of all, righteousness. He says, we have to do this, John, to fulfill righteousness. It means we have to do this to do what is right. That's righteousness. We have to do those do what is right. So the Lord's telling him, we got to do this now because this is right to do now. Now, the Lord had just started the final three years of his, his the public ministry, his three years. He started the final road to the cross where he's going to die for the sins of man. He's going to go into the waters of baptism, therefore, as a symbol of death. So it was right that the Lord should be baptized. It was like a commissioning of the Lord for his eventual sacrificial death for the sins of man. So going into the waters and being totally immersed in the waters is symbolic of judgment, of judgment. And since on the cross, the sinless Lord is going to suffer all the judgment that man deserved, he's going to suffer all that, he's going to die for the sins of man, it's right for the Lord to be baptized as a symbol of the judgment that was that was going to be all on him instead of them, instead of the ones, instead of the others, the sinners there. So baptism was for sinful people, and and that was the people who stood in the line and they were confessing their sins, repenting of their sins, and and since the Lord, since the sinless Lord was going to take the sins that they were confessing and repenting of, and the sins of the whole world on Himself, it was right for the Lord Jesus to line up shoulder to shoulder with those people who are confessing their sins. Now, baptism is not only being immersed in the water as a symbol of judgment and death, but baptism is also a rising up out of the water, which is a symbol of salvation. It's a symbol of resurrection from the dead. Therefore, it was right for the Lord to go under the waters of baptism and to be lifted up out of the waters of baptism to show that he would be raised from the dead, and not only him, but all those who followed him. So, And, and that was a great encouragement. That's a great encouragement for us today, I mean, for those facing death. And we all are, we just don't know it. But, it, but and what an encouragement, what an encouragement this is to see the Lord rising up out of the waters of baptism, out of the waters of judgment, out of the waters of death to life. 
So going under the waters, baptism is symbolic of judgment, rising up out of the water, symbolic of, of uh, really a change in the judgment, a reversal of the judgment. You know, when the Lord was baptized, he stood in man's place. When he rose up out of the waters, he showed that he changed the judgment for man from guilty to pardoned, guilty to pardoned. So it was right for the Lord Jesus to be baptized, and that was how it was a fulfillment of all rightness of what should be done. So this is what he meant when he said this is a fulfillment of all righteousness. Now, and the other important word that explains what the Lord Jesus did is the word now. He said, he said, he, he didn't just say, just allow this to do, just do this. He didn't say, suffer to be so now. Now. It was very important there. Because what the Lord was telling John was, look, allow my baptism to be done just now. Suffer to be so now. When he, what he was, the word now is packed with meaning because he, he was saying that, look, after thousands of years waiting for the Messiah to redeem man, to redeem him from death and hell, the time has finally come. It's now. It's finally now. At long last, it's come. So the Lord says now, he's saying that his sufferings into death is going to occur imminently, even those three years. And so, but when you look at over the thousands of years that man's been on earth, it was, it was relatively short. It was going to be quick. It was the now. So he says now. And then as he's saying now, he's also saying that his sufferings and his humiliation is going to be in the now time that he was, when he was there. It was a once time. It was a once for all time. It's not going to be repeated again. It was just now, just at that time. Like it says in Hebrews 10.10, Hebrews 10.10. By which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. Once at that now time for all. So by saying now, the Lord Jesus is saying that his state of this humiliations, being humiliated, was really just for a short period of time. It was just that time and referred to as the now, as it says in Hebrews 10.9. Hebrews 10.9, I mean 2.9, 2.9. Hebrews 2.9 says, We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. So Hebrews, in Hebrews, looking back at this time as we're doing right now, and we're looking at him, we see Jesus, he's made lower than the angels, he's, he's made that way for the suffering of death, but it was now in the sense that you never see him like that again. You will never see him like that again. That now period has passed, and now he is seen as the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the Lord God omnipotent. This was a very important time here as his baptism because it was a time of his great commissioning for his death. I mean, you know, people accomplish their greatest works in their lifetimes, but he accomplishes his greatest work in his death time when he died, when he destroyed death and the devil. Now, for John the Baptist, who's obviously a key player in all this, he's really involved in this, what an honor, what an encouragement for John just to hear the Lord use the word us. Us, verse 15, verse 15. For thus it becometh us. You and me, John, the Lord is saying, is John and the Lord to fulfill all righteousness. And John hears that and he understands. He says, wow, I've been called upon. This is my great opportunity to join with the Lord to do this which is right. And then it says in verse 15, it's no wonder. It says, then he suffered him. He agreed. 
So the Lord's baptized. He's baptized in verse 16, and it says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 